We're continuing on in our study in the book, our consecutive expository series in the book or gospel of Luke. And the title of the message today is The Forerunners. And our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 16. Hear now with careful attention and appreciation the word of the living God. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment of Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. And the one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The grass withers. The flowers fade, but the word of our God will always remain. Praise be the name of the Lord. Amen. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit now would be with us, guide us, and lead us into your truth. 
And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we reached a major transition in Luke's gospel. This is the hinge, what some people refer to, the hinge. And it goes all the way toward the very end of his gospel. This is the huge turning point. Jesus has twice, as we saw last week, told his disciples previously in chapter 9, verse 22, and then in chapter 40, uh, verse 44. In both of those instances, he told them that he was going to die. He was going to be taken by his enemies and be crucified. But now, the road to his destiny is getting nearer and nearer. And Jesus has begun to make that turn and travel down the road that will lead ultimately to his rejection, to his death, and in time through his resurrection and ascension to the Father again. Luke said in doing that, Jesus set his face like flint as he went to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus had been ministering most of this time, for, for most of the, the section except the earlier portions in the first two or three or four chapters. But since then, Jesus has been doing primarily, although he did take excursions into other places and recently up to the north and back again, but he's generally been ministering in Galilee. It was in Galilee and that surrounding region on the Sea of Galilee that his ministry was primarily unfolding and taking place. And all of, of the great miracles and great uh, teachings that Jesus was doing, those things now were beginning to lessen. And even though we was, we'll see them continuing on, they're not as many. And we're seeing that Jesus... Very soon, we're going to see more and more leaving him instead of following him. But for now, the 12 had represented him in the surrounding areas. But he is turning now more toward Judea. He's, remember, he was in Samaria last week. And he's now turning more toward the regions of Judea. And he has added to his 12 disciples 72 disciples that are to go ahead and prepare the way for him. Our outline today is very simple. The call, the commission, and the culpable. Call, the commission, and the culpable. Let's look at the first section. And that's basically in verses 1 and 2 of our scripture reading. The call. Now, Luke is unique in regard to the other writers, Matthew and Mark of synoptic writers of the gospel. They only mention the 12. But Luke here alone mentions the 72. Who were these 72? Well, just like there was the three and there was the 12, well, Jesus apparently at this point in his ministry and where he was now turning to go toward, he brought in 
extra disciples, maybe many of those that had been following from a little more distance, but brought, or however, but he brought them together, and he brought them together, these 72, to be forerunners that would go to places that Jesus himself was going to eventually, in, on the road, minister to or, or visit. But he wanted these forerunners, these the 72, to go before him. And they were to do it two by two. Uh, 36 pairs plus probably the original uh, other 12 disciples. And they were being sent out by our Savior. Now, it's interesting, they are sent out in twos. I remember Noah, <laughs> uh, the ark uh, in twos. Well, this is in twos also. This is also a, 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 a reality. Uh, maybe the, the reason for that was a lot of the same principle that you have when it comes to military uh, guys that end up digging foxholes. That's not a place you want to be, but if you are there, what do you usually want to be with you? Somebody else. <laughs> you, you, want, you want to be in that foxhole with somebody. That can be an asset to you, and you can help and strengthen and encourage one another as you're huddled close together in that dangerous situation. So maybe that's the reason, uh, the same kind of principle, to, to give these guys, stir up their courage as they were going out on this mission that the Savior was giving them. Now, make no mistake, doing the kingdom's work is hard, but Jesus uh, using the phrase of an old book a long time ago, liberated his disciples, the 72, from the success syndrome. He basically says, guys, just, just go. I've got this. This is my project. You just, you just go and do what I tell you to do. See, we always make things harder in the kingdom of God and the gospel than we need to sometimes. You see, Jesus liberated the 70, as I said, from the success syndrome. He had already made it clear that who was the Lord of the harvest? He was. So if that's the case, that meant that the harvest, or lack thereof, belonged to him, to God, to Jesus, not the laborer. The laborer has a part and a role, but the success of the mission is not dependent on the laborer. It's on the Lord of the harvest. Jesus puts it all on his own shoulders and those of his father. You see, the 70 didn't need to stay awake at night worrying or whether about their efforts, whether or not they would succeed. That was job, God's job. That was Jesus' job. All they were responsible for was laboring what? Faithfully. Faithfully. Be faithful. And so it is with us. So it was with them. So it is with us now still. You see, the first great work of Christian evangelism is done on our knees, not with our mouth. It's done on our knees. Why? Because Jesus said, the laborer, I, I am the one who is the harvest bringer. But your job is to pray. Is to pray 
for the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers. We must earnestly seek the Lord to supply more laborers. This is one of the things I I love. Um, When you see particularly churches that get the picture of that the laboring for the kingdom, it's not just among those that are the usual suspects, the people that hold office or have positions or whatever. But that is the challenge for the entire church and particularly the youth of the church. You've heard Louise mention that sometimes in her devotionals and things of that nature. How the children, the challenge of bringing the next generation of children to be missionaries, to be going out into the harvest of the world for Christ. Now, second part is the longer of the, of the three sections, the commission, we could call it. That's in verses 3 through 12. Now, there's a lot of detail in here. I've read it in the, in the text, and I'm, I'm obviously going to be not pulling all the threads here. But the, the 70 had to come to grips with some pretty hard in, uh, terms in verses 3 through 7. They would have no special protection given to them. Just because they were following Jesus, it didn't mean their road was going to be always uh, smooth and, and, and nice. They would be as sheep surrounded by a pack of wolves, and they would have no special provision. They would be provided some provisions from the houses they would go in, but not, nothing special that like they got to have steak and caviar. Uh, they didn't get to do that. They were It was fairly very modest in what they were being called to do. And now, here's the thing that I wonder about is reading this. I wonder who had the logistical map to see where they were supposed to be going? <laughs> who, had the, who had the GPS? <laughs> who, who, hey, guys, we're going to take this house first, and then we're, then we're going to go over here to this city, and then we're going. There was no map. There was, no, there was no, quote, organized plan for that. You see, I don't think they had a clue as to which houses they were going to. Jesus said, just go. <laughs> when you see one, knock on the door. And I don't think Jesus was even concerned about which ones they went to. It didn't matter, and you know why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is open to all. It's being shared with all who will listen and receive. It's being offered. It's what we call the free offer of the gospel. We simply need to open and speak and share the offer that you can have the forgiveness of sins through the work of Jesus Christ alone. The free offer of the gospel. And so, notice something else that I find uh, somewhat peculiar. Jesus told them to say to each of those houses that they ended up going in, two by two, as they went into a house, what did he tell them to do? 
He said, say to them, peace be to this house. That's kind of like the way it started. Before they got in to say anything, hey, we're from uh, so-and-so and we're with Rabbi Jesus. No, first thing, peace be to this house. Now, here's the part that's interesting. Listen to verse 6 again. Whatever, verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Now, what's, what's, that, what's that saying? You see, the cast, casting the blessing, he's simply saying, look, go and cast, give that blessing, pronounce that blessing on this house and whoever is in it. And if they receive it, great. It will be so because they're a son of peace. Would be another way to say it would be a son of God. But he said, if they don't, if they don't receive it, if they slam the door in your face and say, ah, oh, get out of here, we ain't got time for you and that Jesus stuff. What he says is, it's going to bounce back. And you don't have anything to do with that. Just simply go with pronouncing the blessing. And if it doesn't come back to you, if they don't reciprocate, don't worry about it. Because you know it's time to ramble on. How do you know? Because <laughs> they didn't give it back. They didn't reciprocate. And so it's time to move on. Simple as that. How many times have you tried to evangelize and witness to somebody and you, and you just keep trying to come up with a new angle and you tried this and you tried that and you tried and you just keep going? At some point you probably need to say, Okay, <laughs> it's on your head, I'm out. You see, Jesus told the 70, he went on to say that they were to travel light. <laughs> they were to be dependent on others to provide for their needs. But what was the direction about shaking off the dust from their feet if a home did not receive them and provide for them. Well, that was the customary um, devout G uh, Jews shake off of the dust, that expression. Um, basically, it was when they were around heathen, Romans, Gentiles. So basically, you, you just, you wanted to, you know, ugh, you know, ugh, just do, do it, it was a metaphor, but it was a way of saying, I'm, going, I'm washing my hands of this. I'm going to have nothing to do with these, these people. And so in this case, that was what was normally done, and it signaled judgment. But on this occasion, the disciples were to do basically the work of solemn legal witnesses to 
the Jewish people's rejection of the gospel. In other words, what they really were doing, and especially if they, if they did not receive their blessing, they were basically saying, okay, you sealed your own doom. They were sealing the rejection of the Jewish people of the gospel. You see, in those days, to reject an envoy of a king was to reject the king. If you were an envoy, a representative of a king, and they mistreated you as an envoy, that was taken very personally by the king. To reject a king was to invite his wrath under those circumstances. And Jesus announced the consequences of rejecting him as a king. Listen in verse 12 again. I tell you, it will be more tolerable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, Jesus said that a city that rejected him and his messengers would face greater judgment than the wicked city of Sodom. Now that's, think about that for a moment. How could that be? How could these people that were, some of them receiving, but many of them not, and were beginning to reject Jesus in various ways, and some of this was going on in this very text, in this circumstance, how in the world were they uh, not receiving what was what had been offered to them Jesus said that they rejected him and his messengers would face greater judgment than Sodom like say how so well it's basically the simple principle much to whom much is given much is required that's we've encountered that before as well to whom much is given, much is required. And what is happening here? Much greater revelation. The gospel witness and testimony has been given to this area of the Galilee and the north. They have had the greatest amount of gospel preaching and presentation they had heard more about the Father and the gospel. And yet, they now will be judged more strictly than even some of the wickedness you find in the Old Testament, such as Sodom, Gomorrah, or Siren type. They had, they didn't have as much understanding or knowledge there was wickedness and it was judged but theirs would be greater because they had greater opportunity and yet they rejected it and thus the culpable that's in verses 13 through 16 on the north side of the sea of galilee there's a triangle not literally but there's a triangle <laughs> and uh in that triangle is Capernaum, and then, uh, let's see, <laughs> in, in the triangle, over here is Bethsaida, and then over here, 
No, I've got the triangle <laughs> upside down. But anyway, uh, over here is Chorazin. And you've heard in the scripture reading those towns. Those towns were at the epicenter of Jesus' kingdom ministry. They were in the front door of what Jesus was bringing with the gospel and with the kingdom. And yet already many of them had been rejecting the one that they had said they would follow and did for a while. But more and more and more now we're going to see more and more disciples start dropping like flies. And the rejection increases. And yet these three were at the epicenter of the ministry of Jesus. And that is why their condemnation and the warning is so dire from Jesus. Jesus cried out woes to all three cities because of their unbelief. However, um, by the way, this expression, woe, uh, is not quite the same thing as a lot of people might uh, assume that to be uh, another way of saying cursed, cursed. No, I don't think that's quite the, the right picture here. It is dire, it is sad, but it is not an outright direct, um, uh, direction of curse. It nonetheless conveys a dire warning. And I believe if we could have heard the inflection in our Savior's voice, I believe if we had been there and we had been part of the, of the, the 72, if we had heard what he said about these three cities, it would have been his voice showing sorrow rather than scorn. He was the son of man. Look how he would ultimately deport himself when the time came for him to go to Jerusalem and die and be crucified. How he dealt with those he showed compassion and sadness over them. Particularly, you recall in Luke's gospel, we haven't gotten there obviously yet, but in Luke's gospel chapter 13 verses 34 and 35, listen. This is the tenor of what I believe Jesus was saying here. Remember when he said, looking over Jerusalem, looking down upon the, the city, and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. Jesus is saying, you've done it to yourself. Oh, that you would have listened to me. Oh, that you would have helped me. Oh, that if you would have turned to me, 
but you would not. You chose, and you're sealing your own fate. The same sentiment is here, as we'll see it there when he stands over Jerusalem. He was basically over these three cities, saying, I've been here. I was, would have gathered you, and yet you would not. Remember how they threw him out of his own town? Tried to throw him over the cliff? These things happen again and again. And Jesus, it was not his desire. He wanted them to turn, but they would not in their rebellion and in their rejection of the gospel. You see, Jesus concluded his commissioning talk by underscoring their divine appointment. They were envoys of the King of Kings. He was preparing them. You are my ambassadors. And you're going to have to go where I send you. But they were not able to take the credit or the blame for the people's response. That's again shows up clear again here. They're not getting taken the blame, nor do they get the credit. That's always been in Jesus' hands. Again, always has been, always is now today when we try to talk to people about where they are spiritually and whether they know the Savior. You see, if the message, here's the point that's so important for us to remember as ambassadors, as, as envoys of the King of Kings, as those that are sent out to be his disciples. The message, if the message is faithfully delivered, nothing more did the disciples need then and now. That's all they needed. That's what you and I need in our evangelism. And our opportunities to share and talk to people about where they are with Jesus. Back in the day uh, when I was young, early in the faith, and had, was uh, connected with a group. Um, Ronald recognized this, this group uh, called Campus Crusade for Christ. Um, and uh, in those days, and I remember the, one of the things we used to do uh, uh, would go uh, to Panama City. Uh, of all places, um, uh, Ron, and uh, we would go and uh, do beach evangelism. And, um, and I, I remember uh, particularly, and I think I've told you one other time, a, a part of that story, uh, but trying to do that, and for the most part, I, I'm sure it was a horrible uh, attempt on my part. It was probably so, probably messed up everything that I possibly could mess up. But again, the, the comfort was, and I did seem to get this point, and I remember after coming back uh, and sharing that night, uh, some of the leadership, you know, brought people up, and they wanted, somehow they threw me up there. I don't know why, um, because I, I didn't know. I was as green as I could be, and, you know, I didn't. But, but I, there were a few things I, I knew and, and, I, and I felt convi convicted about. And I remember that, that somehow this had stuck with me, and, and it stuck with me through the years. And it's this, this basically 
one sentence line. What is evangelism? What does faithful evangelism look like? And this is what I shared with that group. Sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results up to God. Now listen to that again. Sharing Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. You better not do it in your own flesh because you're going to bomb big time. But when you share in the power of the Holy Spirit, depending on him, and then leave the results. Just give the peace. Give the, give the simple truth. And leave the results in God's hands. Leave them up to the master's hands. And you know, that, that has freed me many times. It'll free you if we think like that and realize this is not on our shoulders. It's on the strong shoulders of our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we just get to go and be his ambassadors, trying to persuade men and women to receive Christ and trust in him for their reconciliation to God. Chuck Swindoll uh, is a, not a, a PCA pastor, but I've, I've gained insight from him through the years. Um, and he does a good job of wrapping a bow on this task of the forerunners that we've looked at today. I want to give you, I want you to read this in closing. Swindoll said, Jesus, however, never intended to do all the work himself. That's why he had the 72 and the 12 and the 3 and many more. Never intended to do all the work himself. In fact, we learn from his example that the work of the ministry is not the responsibility of a select few in the kingdom of God. He didn't set aside a clergy to do the work of evangelism, care, teaching, and the myriad other tasks in ministry. Now, we've got some of that, but all that, no. While he does call some to devote their vocational lives to leading others, the Messiah expects all citizens of his kingdom to shoulder the burden of displacing the dominion of evil and restoring God's original order on earth. Although the Lord can complete the task without our help, he nonetheless has given all his people a genuine stake in his agenda. Amen. May God make it so. And may his harvest be great for his glory. Amen. Father, thank you for reminding us that the battle is the Lord's, not ours. And Father, thank you for calling, sending us. All of us have a part to play. Help us not reach beyond 
what is not ours, but to be faithful with what is given. And Father, will you send more laborers into the harvest for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen.